In Florida Ag and Review for the week of August 20th, we had this on agricultural education efforts here in the state. Well, Florida's FFA state officer team has only been together for a month or so now, but they've been busy and State President Clayton Willis says they have a lot more planned for the year to come. We have a lot of big plans for this year. FFA in the state of Florida is as big as it's ever been. We broke our membership record last year. We have 16,351 FFA members in the state of Florida. And that is something that we're just looking to build on. The more kids that we get in our organization, the more lives that we can change and the more people that we can impact and the more that we can spread the message of Florida agriculture. So that's something we're ready for. And Clayton says they're excited to spread that message everywhere they travel. We're never out of words for the agricultural industry in the state of Florida because it is just so diverse. You have, you know, nursery products, your citrus products in South Florida, you know, your fresh fruits and vegetables. Then you have peanuts and cotton and corn and things up in the north end of the state. And Clayton says they hope to bring that message to consumers. And I heard it said the other day that, you know, the average American, they know better that food doesn't come from Publix. It comes from the truck parked behind Publix. So, I mean, they know that food has to come from somewhere else, but we need to do a better job as the agriculturalists and the people representing our industry to spread the message and let them know where their food comes from and that they're getting a safe product that everybody can afford. Clayton adds that even extends to those within the FFA organization. Almost 10% of the students in the FFA organization live in urban areas. So, you know, the organization didn't exactly change I think that we still have a lot of agricultural roots, and we're still very fundamentally an agricultural organization. And sometimes we do tend to forget that, and that's one of the goals of my state officer team this year is to remind the kids in FFA why we are here to promote Florida agriculture. But also we realize that, you know, you're getting urban kids in there, and they need to learn about agriculture too. So that's one thing that we're really focusing on this year is to bring back agriculture into the FFA. And with Livestock News, Randall Wiseman had this. The investigation into the case concerning the atypical BSE dairy cow in California back in April has concluded. And when it comes to the last two animals that this cow gave birth to, one was stillborn and disposed of, while the other was humanely euthanized and had negative BSE test results. In addition, 344 birth cohorts were identified and all had records that were traced back. As for possible tainted feed, USDA Chief Veterinarian Dr. John Clifford said they identified 12 feed suppliers, with one now out of business and the other 11 in compliance with the state's food and agriculture requirements. But bottom line to this whole incident, Clifford said they were able to detect this animal. The atypical BSEs can have a little different pattern of the prion or the agent itself in the brain tissue that we're collecting, but we were able to detect this animal with the tests that we currently use, and those tests tend to be very sensitive. And at this point, he does not anticipate any changes. We feel that the program we have in place in the U.S. to protect human health and animal health and the safeguards that we have in place are effective, and the risk of BSE in this country is extremely low. And thus, Dr. Clipper said this closes out this particular case. But I think the U.S. consumer should have confidence in our food supply in the U.S. and the initiative that we have taken both on this issue as well as any future issues relative to BSE. They can be confident in the response that we take and the way we handle that. And we will wrap up for this week with Everett Greiner. This magazine I'm reading uh... I'm not too familiar with, but I have an article on home gardening. And not about how to grow tastier tomatoes or sweeter cucumbers or flatter pole beans. It was about flowers. You know, I didn't have much of an idea that flowers were edible plants. Did you? Now, my yard has always been generously graced with a small variety of blooming flowers. 
Little did I know that my wife's pansies had a mild wintergreen flavor. I don't think I've ever tasted one of her dandelions, but you can dip them in egg batter, coat them with cornmeal, and fry them. Now, on the list of edible flowers were marigolds and calendulas. There were others, but they don't grow in my yard. This might make eating more of an adventure, but I think I'll stick to potatoes, tomatoes, and pole beans. I've never eaten flowers. Wait a minute. Yes, I have. White lily. Almost every morning. And remember, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.